Welcome to The Quiet Life. I'm Michael James Wong, meditation teacher, author, founder of Just Breathe, and your host for this podcast. Now it goes without saying that we're living in an uncertain time where everything is changing rapidly. We're living day to day, unsure of the road that lies ahead. And things are getting a little or a lot quieter. So join me on this podcast as we speak to experts and inspiring voices about home practices for your mind and mental health during this time of uncertainty. Listen in as they share their thoughts and daily practices you can do wherever you are. Welcome to The Quiet Life. Hi guys, and welcome back to The Quiet Life. I'm Michael James Wong, your host in these conversations, and today I'm joined by Lynn Sabara. And Lynn is the founder of Intaliki, uh, which is a charity based in Lebanon uh, that supports displaced women who are affected by war and conflict. And she's also uh, an event organizer and a conversation curator, and has been one of the organizers for TEDx events in London and uh, throughout the country. And so it's very interesting and exciting for me to have a conversation with Lynn. And I remember the first time that uh, that I met her was probably this time last year when we came together through mutual friends and just had a really genuine connection. So hi, Lynn. How are you? Welcome. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me in the podcast. Um, it's such an honor. And I still remember the day we, we first met and how much it resonated, like everything we spoke was a heartwarming conversation. (laughs) Yes, it was. And I I remember, and just for people listening in, it was, you know, we had met through mutual friends, and we just had a chance to sit down and talk about the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, talking about the communities and just different ways of bringing people together, which I think for me has always been something that I've had a really warm reminder of every time I see you or speak to you, just your gentle nature of being someone who really wants to create conversations. And and I and I see that come to life a lot because of the projects you've done. Now, for people who haven't obviously come across your work before, or this is a new conversation for them, can you just tell us a little bit about what Intaliki is and obviously your journey with TEDx? Sure, sure. Um, so Intaliki was founded in 2013. Basically, I wanted to to give back to my community, and especially women, um, and especially women affected by by conflict and war. Because I grew up in Lebanon, I grew up in a country that was torn by war. I've experienced uh, my share of of conflict, uh, and I'm not gonna say it feels a bit uncomfortable to talk about it because. Uh, I was also uh, privileged and I was also lucky that I was able to leave Lebanon. So it's it's a bit of a difficult conversation for me to have. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm human and the feelings that I have are very raw and very, very real. So so I wanted to give back. I wanted to, to, to help. And uh, uh, I founded Intaliki to help displaced women. So the, the Syrian crisis was unfolding and I thought... You know, this is an opportunity for me to do something, and um, and it wasn't really a very 
uh, it was a, a very natural decision basically it's not that i sat and i i decided oh what shall i do what can i do it felt very organic very natural and, and i just had to do it it was like a calling it started with me uh, going to a small camp in the south of lebanon and i've learned a lot from the small camp and my biggest lesson was that uh, it, it was easy for me to go there and and see and decide what's good and what's right. It was a good awakening to, to remember as well that, you know, I'm in no position to decide what's good, what's bad, what should be done. Mm. And from there, we started, you know, going to other camps um, and and having more of an inward approach where we talk with women and and let them tell us what they want. And for me, that was one of the biggest lessons, rather than me going there and telling them what to do and what project we should implement. It, I saw myself as just listening wow, and making things happen for them. And what types of things were they saying? What types of things were they asking for? And what types of things kind of came from it? So definitely there are a lot. So, you know, there you're in, in survival mode from anything from financial support they needed to the more you get to know them and the more you establish trust with these women is they wanted not only the, 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 the financial support but also the independence they wanted to feel empowered uh, because in such setting uh, you know gender norms are even more pronounced um, so not only they were women uh, you know because of gender uh, the norms won't let you know as a woman you don't have much of a say and in these circumstances it's even more exaggerated so they wanted to be heard and they wanted to know that their voices mattered and I wanted to amplify that I wanted to give them the opportunity for them to shine but at the same time I didn't want to do it as them against their, their families or against their husbands or against their brothers um, so I tried to, what we try to do is to, to bring them all together, to, to show also the, the males in their household, how important they are, the, the, how the, the, their wives and their sisters and their daughters are important and how much valuable they are. Our first project was a community kitchen. We would employ women to cook for the camps. So the whole idea was that the, the food would be given for free for the families. Mm. And this was very um, rewarding for the women because they felt that uh, they recognized their values. They were contributing and they were giving back. So not only they were getting money and they were getting uh, some sort of financial independence. Um, I'm saying some sort because... At the beginning, like a lot of the most of the time, the money would go to the husbands. But with time, you know, and working with the families, they they've learned how to to manage their own financial their income. Um, but not only they were happy with that and and really empowered, but also this feeling of giving back and going there, like you know, they had to do it themselves. So. So we cook and then we go to the camp, we distribute by hand to the families. And we're very active, especially in the month of Ramadan, where you have all the families coming in and we, we, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very lively and interactive um, experience. And uh, for them, that was the mo one of the most valuable 
experience that they brought. Wow, um, it sounds absolutely so, amazing. And, and I'm sure as, as someone who was a part of that journey and kind of being a part of the conversation with them, you could really see it come to life. And I think everyone in, in our human nature has this, you know, has this, this very baseline of wanting to feel like they're a part of something and they can be mm-hmm. supportive in some way. And it, it sounds like it was a really impactful experience, not just for them, but for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the feeling of belonging uh, is uh, is a big one for me as well. Um, I've always felt like I didn't belong, whether uh, in Lebanon or when we moved because of war. I, I never really had this sense of belonging. And I think um, I took with me this lack and I wanted to put it in my work. Uh, and I wanted to to uh, to create these spaces where people would feel they belonged and where mm. their voice mattered. And I carry this in all my work, not only with, like in 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 my everyday life. Oh, absolutely! And I know that from knowing you, in the sense of you know giving that sense of support to people. But you know, this work of of you know going over to Lebanon must have been really really rewarding in the impact that it made in you know individuals' lives and. And it shifted, you know, that sense of purpose that, that people have, the women there, you know, were they, were they quite open to dialogue? Basically, it's a, it's a journey. It's a process. Uh, definitely at the beginning, it's easy for them to see me as, you know, the other who's, who's coming, who's the, the savior, basically. And I didn't want that. I, I, I felt very uncomfortable with me wanting to go and save them. And I didn't want them to tell me what they thought I wanted to hear. Uh, so it took time to establish trust. And for us, trust was one of the, the, the main thing to start. So before we even talked about, you know, what programs we're going we're gonna to implement, we needed really to establish trust in our community and the women we work with. And that's why our work is very uh, individual, it's very intimate. So I needed this level of trust before we do anything. And then, the, and from then, yes, so we, a lot of the conversation, you know, it's, they became our friends, you know, it's just like how we talk about um, anything from what they've experienced and and it's crazy for me to see like how normal it, it is, like this sense of normality, knowing that they've lost loved one in conflict. It was difficult. It's still difficult for me to bridge these two real these different realities. You know, the reality that I experienced in the camps and my reality going even back to 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 the capital to Beirut and even worse coming here to London. The conversation again. So the conversation, anything from you know heavy trauma experience, but again with a sense of normality, because I think in these circumstances, you know, this is your reality. This is who you are. You you cannot dwell on it. You just have to to move on, and you just have to 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 live and to make the best out of it. There are conversation on you know yes gender based violence. I cannot like personally. I cannot take. I wasn't. I'm not able to 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 deal with that just because I'm not qualified, and I'm I'm very uh, careful about even you know uh, claiming that I am or that I can help with that. All I can do is just put them in in contact with with people who are professional in the field. But also, they just want to be heard in the sense you know they just tell us like I'm lonely. I'm uh, or I'm. 
I have dreams. I want to have my own factory. I, you know, and at home I have my own, I do these soaps and I'd like to do something with it. And for me, this is what really resonates the most is that I want to hear, I want to know these women at their core, because for me, we're all the same. You know, it doesn't, I don't want, I'm against label or, you know, I don't want, the, the experiences don't define you. There is our shared humanity and I, I'd like really to get to the, to the core of, of, of that. Mm. And I think that's a really, you know, that, that's really powerful to recognize in this moment and, and often in the moments that we have with, with these type of conversations is to remind ourselves how important it is to just let people be heard and to allow them to feel like they're being seen. And there, there is an element of, you know, we're, we're not all experts in everything and you know but there there is an expertise in being human and and knowing sure. when that it's you know the important time to just let people talk and just to yeah. be actively listening and to let them know that they are being received which i which i think is not only speaks volumes to the work that you do with um with Intaliki, but also who you are and kind of the, the way that you spend your time and focus your attention Intaliki, where does that name come from or what does it so mean? It's, an, uh, it's an Arabic verb, basically, in the feminine. It's just giving a push for someone and then, you know, gets everybody and go. So basically, we just give them the tool for them to, to transform themselves. Right. That's a beautiful yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful perspective to look at. Now, I mean, obviously, this this work that you do um, with this organization is just one part of, you know, the focus. And I know as well, over the years, you've spent some time, you know, being an organizer and a curator of conversations and and, um, most notably have spent some time organizing different TEDx events and just ways that pretty much uh, encapsulate this uh, expansion of conversations that that you're very much an advocate of. You know, for me personally, as as someone who is a, a fan of TED and TEDx, and and kind of that platform of what was that like for you could you you know give us a little bit of understanding on what it is from the inside and how it was uh when it came to life sure so yes i'm i'm also a passionate of ted obviously and um, with ted um you know ted allowed me i remember the first time i watched a ted talk i i I felt something where i felt uh, i think it just uh, made me aware that I'm so passionate about things and I didn't know that I exist I didn't know that I had these I was passionate I didn't know that I I had something like I felt something deep in my heart and it's because of Ted uh, and I remember that first talk was by given by Benjamin Zandler about uh, the power for uh, the power of classical music not that I at that time I didn't really appreciate classical music. There was something with the speaker, with the way he, his passion, how alive he was, that really made me feel alive. And at that time, I was working in um, in a corporate world. I I wasn't happy at all. And since I watched that talk. I started watching more talks and I, I felt even more alive, more uh, curious, more, you know, it just ignited something like a burning fire inside of me. And I decided to quit my job and to, to change completely, like not even, I'm not going to say career because what I do, I don't, def- I don't describe it as a, as a work, but it's more of a, a purpose or my mission in life. 
that's why I'm very my relationship with Ted is very you know it's it's very personal in the sense I feel I owe it <laughs> so much uh, to, to to who I am now and to what I do so again also in 2013 uh, while I was establishing in Taliki and I was pregnant <laughs> with my first boy I've decided to organize a TEDx event and that event was a TEDx women event and I wanted to address issues um, about that women ex experience and it, and it's not a, a binary thing it's not like women against men but I I felt that the women event will allow me to discuss um, issues that are a bit more difficult. So through this, through the platforms that uh, I create, I really like to 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 change narratives or to give a new new perspective on narratives. Because for me, a successful event is one where there's a shift that on a very subtle level it doesn't have to be you know uh, the ahas moments are very very subtle and since then we've uh, yes so we've we've organized a few TEDx events uh, I personally I love intimate spaces so also like TEDx salons and and TED circles um so yes <laughs> And in those events that you organize, obviously there there must have been some very standout moments that you remember, whether, you know, different speakers or different uh, places. If you could think back to all the different ones that, that you've organized and that you've curated, were there, were there specific people or, or uh, conversations that were sparked that really kind of made you go, wow, this is uh, amazing? Oh. <laughs> You know, every speaker brings something wow. Obviously, there are speakers that are, you know, they might be there for the reason. I'm not going to say the wrong reason, but everyone has has his or her reason. But maybe their reasons are not too aligned with mine. Uh, but those who are there where, you know, they give themselves uh, authentically and who just want to, to give back... Each one has has something, or that they've changed me in a way, and this is why, like my curation is very much is focused on on relationship building. It's not about just having a speaker on stage. So the work is mostly, I focus a lot on what happens before, so on on preparing for a talk, and often we start with one idea. You know, TED is all about ideas we're sharing. We start with an idea. But then as we work together, as we, we peel the layers of that message of this talk, uh, we come up with a completely different talk. And uh, this transformation is, uh, for me, is, is, is very impactful. I'm, I'm so grateful and humbled to be part of this, this change uh, because it's very intimate, it's very transformative, uh, and again, on, in a very subtle way. So this is my curation, is just to work very closely with speakers and to really, you know, really unpeel but at the core of the message. Mm. I think that's really beautiful, that way you talk about it as a relationship and you talk about it almost as your own creative process, how it comes to life. I mean, when you are in that mode of curation, I mean, what is it that you look for 
uh, in a speaker? What is it that you look for when you're putting an event together? Is there a certain kind of checklist that you look for for someone who would be a, a good TEDx speaker or someone who would be great in, in this environment to build a conversation? Um, yes, absolutely. So we definitely start with a checklist. And and of course, I'm talking, uh, so it's not behind this, there's a whole team, right? And a, a team that's as passionate as I am, and I'm forever thankful um, for them. It's important for us to present ideas that want to be heard. So we start, we want to make sure that you know, it's it's from the community. So what the community needs, what are the topics that are, you know, that that need to be presented at that moment or this year. Uh, so we start very broadly with having like what kind of topics we want we want to to have, and then like in terms of checklist, we look for diversity. It's very important for us to have a diverse. Uh, lineup without coming without being you know without taking checking boxes uh, I don't want to be tokenistic but I, I just want to make sure that we uh, we capture if I you know a range of voices and of experiences the speaker has to 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 really to have something to say as well and I'm not all I'm not only always looking for uh, the big things that are happening and you know you don't need to 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 have climb mountains or discover you know this big thing we're also looking for everyday ideas you know uh, I people who have had an impact on a micro level and I actually rather look have these ideas amplified you know people who are not who are on the margins and are not not on the spotlight right can you remember maybe a few different topics that maybe were shared I think it be really interesting to hear the types of topics that, that came up at, at your events. Uh, absolutely. So I remember the, our first event, we had this young, beautiful man. He's, he was like in his, he was 16 maybe. And he was passionate about, it was a woman event, right? And he was so appreciative of the woman in his life that he wanted to... To, to give back to his community and and celebrate women. And so what he did, he wanted to raise awareness about uh, breast cancer um, through racing and that like more, um, basically it was through race and, and more male, um, what is seen as more male-driven uh, activities. And... Um, and I was I was very fascinated, like how at sixteen you have this deep desire to give back, and you know to 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 something to give back and to do something in appreciation of the woman in 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 your life. Like I was just the the, the value that he carried really like they moved me so much. So we worked a lot with him, and he gave an amazing talk. And then from there, he discovered that his passion is about gender equality. And uh, since then, he gave like five TED talk, TEDx talks. He's been, uh, not that the number of TEDx talks define you, but, you know, he, he, he built his confidence to, you know, to have, to have a message and, and to, you know, to, to be this public speaker and advocate of, of, of gender equality. And then he moved to New York. He, he was in Mexico. He used to... He was in Mexico, but then he moved to New York, where he he worked with the UN. It's completely like he his whole career was 
propelled because of the stock that he gave. And um, for us, like we see him and we looks like our baby, you know, like with so much pride. <laughs> oh, and if and if people obviously want to check in on him and his message, do you remember what his name was? Yes. Yeah, so his name is Gerardo Portini. I'll send you the link of his talk. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'm sure it's up on the, the, the TED website yeah. somewhere. Take a moment to download the Just Breathe app. It's our simple and easy to use app with guided meditations, music, and soundtracks created and recorded especially to calm the mind and ease the body. And now it has the ability to customize the length of your practice. We've literally put the power of mindfulness in the palm of your hands, and even more, it's free. We've created this app as a way to support our growing community, and it is for anyone and everyone ready to step into a quieter conversation. So go ahead and download the app now. It's on iPhone and Android devices. And for more information about our growing conversation on and offline, make sure you visit justbreatheproject.com, where you'll find more podcasts, Lots of amazing stories and video content and conversations all around mindfulness in the real world. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Just Breathe. I mean, and, and I think for people listening to this as well, and obviously in the different communities that we're all a part of who are, who are listening to this, there's always an element of uh, sharing a story, not only in a captivating way, but in a way that is impactful and, and shares a message that uh, allows people to really feel connected. And mm-hmm. as someone who curates these messages a lot and, and spends a lot of time developing um, these conversations with speakers, I mean, what do you really think makes a good talk? I mean, what are some of the kind of the big things that uh, should be in every talk if you are giving one? Mm-hmm. Interesting question. Because there's no, you know, as TEDx organizer, you always try to think, okay, what's the what's the formula for a good talk? <laughs> and it's it's very complex. One of them is definitely you have to show up with with authenticity and with you know for me vulnerable speakers. Uh, we just, you know, they speak from the heart is is so crucial. Um, and then I love talks that give you that changes that change perspective. Just because, you know, this is where change happens. And the change is the impact you we cannot underestimate how much a talk can have on a lot of people. Like one person in the audience can feel you know, you 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 just spark some something in this person and someone in the audience, and the effect is it has a ripple effect uh, without even you, you you cannot count it. So not only being authentic and genuine, but also having having the courage to, to you know don't give us something that you you we think we want to hear. Be also authentic in your message. It's not about how you're perceived, but it's more about you know. It's like a gift. What do you want to offer to your audience? And also, like it, it more in a in a more practical way, I'd say preparation. Preparation is key. You really need to be ready for the talk. 
you don't give a talk just for the sake of giving a talk, but you really need yourself, you need to be in a position in your life where you are ready for it. Uh, because it's very, it's a demanding process and it's a very personal process that can be very, very emotional, of course. So you need to be ready for that as well. Uh, I think timing is very important and uh, and this will will tell you how much you want to, to put in the process. The mm. more you put in in terms of preparation and in terms of, you know, rehearsal, the better it will resonate with the audience. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful way uh, that we can approach and, and see and understand this. I think, you know, these days, uh, you know, especially with the way that the world is moving and the way that kind of we consume information and media and all these kind of things that, you know, there's a lot of people speaking. There's a lot of people talking. There's a lot of people sharing, which is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. There's also, I think, a need to ensure that what we're talking about, what we're speaking about, what we're sharing is authentic, has a purpose, and you know has a reason to to be right has a reason to to share and i think it's you know it's events like yours and conversations like these that hopefully they come from a, a purposeful place to share something that is first meaningful to to ourselves and then we can only hope that through our own stories and our own shifts and changes in perspectives that uh you know other people can connect to it and and that's where the ripple is i, th I think especially these days we're very good at knowing if um someone is authentic in what they're mm. talking about passionate mm. about what they're talking about <laughs> and i think especially in the environment and especially in a forum like a tedx or other kind of you know engagements where it's really about sharing a passionate message that needs to be heard that you know curators like yourself you know have a responsibility to ensure that speakers are uh supported in that journey mm -hmm. and that relationship is built so that messages that are powerful can actually you know reach hmm. absolutely and i think like you say it much better than i do i think it's <laughs> it's yeah that's uh, exactly and I think, I mean, one of the, the main reasons why I thought it'd be really great for us to have a chat, you know, and, and, you know, obviously with your work with the charity and your work with TEDx, you know, it, it all comes from, uh, you know, it all comes from you, right? It all comes from this sense of passion and purpose and drive. And I mean, where you are now in your life, I mean, what kind of, you know, what, what similarities did you find between these two organizations that were kind of uh, maybe you were unprepared for like were there conversations that were very similar between the two things or things that you found for yourself oh yeah yeah absolutely i think um since then it's been a journey of transformation for me um uh, very it's been an inward journey where i've learned so much about myself I think uh, the first years of my life, I was very much, first years basically, I mean the first 20 something years, I was very much living in, on autopilot and living um, what I thought, how I thought I should live and what people expected of me or society expected of me. But since I've um, I've decided to bring more, and again, it's decided, it, 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 it was very natural, right? It wasn't like a really thought process. When I started being more intentional in the way I show up in life and in my uh, and within my community, 
I've learned so much about myself. Um, and I realized that why I do what I do is my way of rebelling. It was my way of, of having my voice heard. So it's my voice. I'm finding my voice or connecting to my voice through the speakers that we, we have on, on our platforms. The women that we work with, uh, their stories, they, they resonate with mine in, 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 in a certain aspect. It's been a learning experience for me where I thought, you know, it's, it's unfair for, of me to ask speakers or the women I work with, you know, to share their stories and to be true to their stories if I'm not true to myself. So it's, I've had to, to dig in and to own my experiences and to own my narratives and not let it define me. And it's been a, a journey of exploration. Uh, and it hasn't, it, it's not, and I've realized, you know, I'm a perfectionist. And for me to realize that I'm not perfect and I have to sit with my shadows, I have to embrace uh, the good in me, the bad in me, the ugly in me. It's been so difficult, and I, I still t- till date, right? It's it's not a, it's not. There's no outcome to it. Um, it's a beautiful journey, of course, but I I learn every day something new about myself, and I I only I can only thank these uh, the women that I work with and the speakers and my team and like every everyone I I I, I work with. That, I mean, and along this process for you and, and throughout this journey, has have there been things in your life that have been consistent throughout that have really kind of helped you along the way? Yes, yes. Uh, so I've had to, to, you know, I have to ground myself. So I cannot go to the camps, for example, and, you know, resume my life and expect, you know, I, I have to, to be grounded. I have to be, I, I live kindness is very important for me and it's a, a value that I just is not like a value I just uh, decide to have it's like it's very important for for me and for my family for my for my boys to to understand uh, how we show up in the in this world with compassion with kindness but specifically towards ourselves so what helps me what helped me is you know having a grounding practice, uh, being kind to myself and giving myself permission to be human, uh, to make mistake, to 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 embrace my my shadows again, my insecurities and my fears, keeping in mind that I, because of what I because of war and growing up and uh, during war. It shapes you, you know. This trauma it stays with you in your body. It it stays with you. It uh, so yeah. So yeah, just being so kind to myself mm. with that. Are there specific practices that you do, or things that kind of are in your regular routine, mm. or is it just kind um, of an ethos? No, I I do. Um, so I journal a lot. I I start my days every day uh, with a gratitude practice and. Uh, with uh, setting my intentions for the day, um, so that for me is a non, you know, it's a non-negotiable. I it's every day, and and um, I make sure it's 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 effortless, of course. And then uh, what's important for me is boundaries. 
um, my family as well is aware of that I need to have my boundaries and this means it's not only it's not only a question of what I allow in my life but also what I say no to um, give me an example yeah. of that so what types of things would you say no to or what types of things does the family know is like a boundary for you so I have to you know I have to have so something for example my family knows like I need my space, I need my time for me, just for me. Like, don't expect me. And coming from someone who, you know, I, I'm i a pleaser, I'm, I'm someone who, who who's, whose mission is to be in service of others, right? I need time just for me, whether that be for my work, for like uninterrupted time. And these are precious times where I, it's, I need to recharge, basically. <laughs> Um, yes. And that's important. And let's get quite specific there. Is it like mm-hmm. every day between this time and this time? Or is it you just kind of <laughs> say, guys, mom's having a moment. Uh, give me two hours and then I'll come back. I mean, how does it work in the house? Two houses, a bit of a luxury. Um, of course, now we're living in a in, in in particular circumstances, right? So it's it's difficult to have the boundaries when we're all in in lockdown. But even with that, now my children know that yes, after we we've done the homeschooling, we've done you know uh, like we've there's a there's a time in the afternoon, like at least half an hour, even if it's just half an hour where I close the door and this is my time. No one is allowed here. And um, I'm lucky that, you know, they're at an age, they're still young, but they can entertain themselves. And I've learned that, yes, this 30 minutes or whatever time I need for that, uh, at, on that time, they're not allowed to interrupt me. On weekends, for example, uh, my husband is very supportive and he will take care he will help me with the with the children and i have like a few hours just for myself and uh, yes yeah, so the it's and in terms of also bond what i say no to i i used to be a person who would say yes to everything you know mm-hmm. as long as it makes other people happy i would do it and regardless if that meant you know um keeping me uh, depleted empty no matter what I would do it. So now I'm learning just to say no. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful message. Both of those things. I mean, learning, learning how to say no is actually a skill oftentimes that we for that we either never learn growing up or that we kind of forget as we get older, because we are trying to be supportive and, you know, to our families and our friends. And it's usually saying no to the people that we love the most or that we're around the most. But it's, um, you know, it's necessary. And I think people listening to this, ensuring that they take away that it's okay to have a moment to yourself, Um, you know, not just now during a particular time, but in general in life that, Mm. you know, it is important to have time for ourselves to ground and for ourselves to feel our, our, you know, ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's different for different people. You know, some people, you and I are very similar, need a moment to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need 30 minutes. I probably enjoy two mm-hmm. hours, right? <laughs> that, that time to just say, you yes. know what, you know, whether it's to do work, to spend some quiet time, to, to do nothing and stare at the ceiling, there's something precious about a moment uninterrupted without having the, the connection 
uh, with other people. Because I know for me, coming from this very same place, of a place of, of service and support, is that if inevitably someone else is in the room or someone else is around, I'm always going to want to mm -hmm. support them or help them mm -hmm. or do something. And, and, it, and it does kind of uh, pull a lot of energy from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so right now during this time, obviously, you know, when we're recording this in the middle of the lockdown still, so everyone's still at home right now, mm -hmm. what types of things are you doing uh, in, in your life, aside from kind of these little moments away, that are really kind of, you know, keeping you grounded? Um, is, there, is there kind of any set routines that you've got going on, or is it just more of a time to kind of see whatever happens, happens? So, so obviously, having the children at home... Um, it's, I had to. It took me time to adjust to to a new routine. Yes, and especially, I I needed to to make sure that we have an environment where people where my my family my my children are they feel safe uh, because this this feeling of safety was is very important. Uh, I feel it is very important for them to have. It took me a while to have my own routine but now I have in the morning I have half an hour for me where I do some sort of exercise uh, that's after my journaling of course and my my intention setting and my gratitude I have half an hour of me just moving doing uh, anything just you know to awaken my body and then uh, and then I'm with my children uh, up until the afternoon but then there's a uh, in the afternoon as I said I have some time just for me while the children, so I have to multitask, while the children are, are having their supper or their, their snack, I would also squeeze in, like, let's say, another half an hour of, of exercise of something or just to move my body, basically. Yoga, I think, is, is, is for me, is very important. And, and my, really, my day, sadly, begins when the kids are, are asleep. Um, they go to bed. This is where I start. I, I do my work um, and yeah I, throughout but of course throughout the day i i intentionally i have to do some grounding it's a, just a minute right of just me sitting and and just feeling my my feet on the ground and breathing uh, i need to do it like like regularly at least four yeah. times a day I mean, that's great. I mean, I mean, especially now, you know, everyone's mm. days are are different. You know, some people can will relate very, uh, very well to to your world of, you know, a busy day with kids and life and then having moments kind of scattered for yourself in between and then having a bit more time in the evening when they go to bed. I mean, that's by any means not uh, too far off from so many people's lives right mm. now. And, you know, having those little moments where you sit and ground yourself, even just for a minute, minute to get both feet on the ground, to close your eyes and just to breathe, those little sweet moments help to bring us back to our own sense of really feeling um, centered and feeling okay. And, uh, and what's really nice to hear, you know, especially in this time that, you know, someone of, of, of your uh, work and of, of your kind of focus with uh, into Leaky and TEDx and events and curation is that you still have, um, let's say, uh, a humble everyday like the rest of us. And, uh, you know, and, and it's and I think it's really inspiring to hear. And I think a lot of people relate to it is that, you know, that, you know, while on one day you're organizing, you know, amazing speakers to bring to life messages and 
to you know be really impactful in, in Lebanon and all these great initiatives, but you also have you know an everyday Monday like the rest of us where there's just things that need to be done and moments you just need to to have a moment. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you, thank you. But also sorry, like just it's it's not you know there are days where I just can't mm-hmm. do anything. And I have to learn how to accept that. Those days at the beginning, I used to feel very shameful. That, you know, the shame, like I'm not all guilty, like yeah. I'm not doing enough. And I've learned like it's okay. And this is why I say I give myself permission just mm-hmm. to be human. And I think that's a really nice message. Um, you know, giving yourself permission to be human. And I think especially in this time um, where, you know, there's a lot of messages out there kind of being... Uh, thrown around of how we need to be very productive and we need to be very uh, goal oriented mm-hmm. and we need to kind of write the next book or plan the next great speech and all these kind of things <laughs> that you know having this moment of humanity to just remember that it's okay to be human is a very very powerful message and it's great to hear it coming from people like yourself who mm-hmm. you know spend a lot of their mm-hmm. their time and their life creating the right messages for the world to connect to <laughs> so thank you yeah and so i mean that's really it for this conversation and thank you so much for uh having a little bit of time in your day today to, to chat with me um hopefully this doesn't count <laughs> you. as your 30 minutes of me time hopefully you still have that time it was a lovely convert no this this lovely like anything you know that sparks your that awakens your soul that feeds your soul i'm this is my moment so this conversation definitely fell my soul oh beautiful stuff and you know for people who are listening in that want to maybe stay connected to you or the work that you're doing is there places they can find you or places they can reach out to you or find out more so uh, i'm on on uh, so entaliki is on instagram uh Artedex is on instagram as well uh, i have to admit we're not too active um for various reasons uh, especially also you know to to keep uh, the privacy of our our beneficiaries but uh, so it's at our handle is at Intaliki on Instagram and Facebook. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for again, having this conversation. It's always really nice to see you to spend time with you. Thank and I do you. look forward to, you know, hanging out more when we have a chance to mm-hmm. come back together. And, um, you know, who knows in the future of how we can do things together. And I look forward to as well, always hearing more about the the things that you're doing and creating. So it's very, very special. I really can't wait. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. And such a pleasure. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode. As always, I'm Michael James Wong, your host. You can follow along all the things that are going on in my world right now at Michael James Wong. But even more, follow along with what we're doing with uh, at Just Breathe and on JustBreatheProject.com where a lot of our messages and mindful conversations just like this are there to help continue to expand and get the word out there about how meaningful it can be when we work together. Um, you know, if this podcast is has uh, made sense to you and, and helped you have some sort of value in your day, please do us a favor and go on and rate and review it and help us spread the word on it. It will only go to help getting the word out there so that this can be as impactful to everyone at any time. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Quiet Life. Thank you.